From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lorman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Schott, budget appropriations reporter. And we wanted to talk this week about yet another victim of the COVID-19 pandemic, but a victim that's getting little attention, we think, uh, and that is the health of the Social Security and Medicare trust funds. Because um, I did some reporting on this recently, and no one knows exactly the size of the impact, but the trust funds, of course, are already in ill health, but they're now going to get sicker because of the coronavirus. And that's because the economic recession that was triggered by the pandemic means a drop in payroll tax revenues that finance the trust funds. And so it's hard to gauge exactly what the effect is, and experts differ, and they make different projections. But um, I talked to economists and some policy analysts from across the ideological spectrum who say that the trust funds are now likely to deplete their reserves at a quicker pace than they would have before the pandemic. The net effect of all this is it could shave years off the time that lawmakers have to find a financial fix for these trust funds before they become insolvent. And so that's yet another task for Congress that has to be addressed at some point. We don't know when, and it's not going to get a lot of attention now because there are more immediate Uh, there's more immediate pain going on that Congress is trying to address. And I think one of the important things to point out here, David, is that while there's a lot of uncertainty about the sort of financial health of the Social Security and Medicare trust funds, we're not talking about a situation where they run out of funding in the next year or two. So this is something, depending on which sort of analysis you're looking at, that Congress does have a few years to address. Right. There is still time. But what the experts will tell you is the longer you wait, the harder this problem is to solve. Let me just run through a few of the numbers because I think it's interesting and sort of telling about what they're facing here. Because, you know, right now it sounds like we still have a lot of time because the the annual report from the Board of Trustees that manages Social Security and Medicare, they issued their annual report in April. And that forecast said that the combined Social Security trust funds would be depleted not until 2035, which sounds like, you know, a long time away. And even then, if we went to 2035 and did nothing, there would still be Social Security benefits, but people would get only about 79% of their promised benefits. So it's not like the whole program goes away, but they would start having to be benefit cuts. But so you think, well, you have till 2035, that's plenty of time to deal with it. But What they said at the time they made their forecast was they hadn't taken account of the pandemic and that that rosy forecast was done before this pandemic hit and that there just was too much uncertainty at the time to accurately predict what the effect would be given the the economic recession. So I went to the Bipartisan Policy Center who came up with their own forecast uh, that tried to assess what the effect would be considering the pandemic. And they found that the main Social Security trust fund could actually now run dry by 2029 if the economy suffered something like the Great Recession. So that's, that's considerably quicker here. That's within eight or nine years from now. 
And they said if it if it were hit with something twice as severe as the Great Recession, which seems unlikely, but who knows if a second wave of this thing hits, if the recession were twice as severe as what we went through a decade ago, then the reserves could be depleted even sooner by 2026. That's only a few years away. And even more dramatic, though, than, than the main Social Security program is disability insurance. And that's what kind of surprised me, Jen, because the disability insurance trust fund is not projected to go bust until 2065. That's decades away. So you'd think there's plenty of time for that program. But actually, the pandemic has a much more severe impact on disability insurance reserves. And the Bipartisan Policy Center said that that fund could be depleted by 2024 if we were hit with something like the Great Recession from this. So that's only a few years away. And the reason for that, I was told, is that is that the reserve is so much smaller in disability insurance that there's very little margin for error here and that there's very little in the, in the reserve fund for disability to pay out benefits. So even a small effect in disability insurance can really drain revenues quickly. So that's, that was kind of striking to me. And can we talk a little bit about why these forecasts are so uncertain? I mean, there's a lot of economists right now who really don't know the full economic impact of the coronavirus pandemic. There's a lot of questions about whether or not we'll see a V-shaped recovery, a U-shaped recovery, potentially a W-shaped recovery, or something that we can't even compare to a letter from the alphabet. And so how are all of these uncertainties around coronavirus infection rates, its impact on unemployment, and its impact on the economy in the next few months. How is all of that impacting these various forecasts about the trust funds for Social Security and Medicare? Yeah, that's exactly why this is so hard to forecast. There's too many unknowns here. There's too many variables at play. I mean, on the one hand, the economic shutdown means loss of jobs, which means much lower payroll tax revenue to support the trust funds. And you've also got very low interest rates, which means there's less interest income that the funds are taking in. So those combine to say there's going to be a dramatic drop in reserves. On the other hand, I hate to put this in crass terms, but a lot of people are dying. And an increased death toll means there's a lot fewer benefits that have to be paid out. So that's actually a cost savings. And, you know, some people may decide to work longer because if they've been spending the recession here drawing down their 401ks to weather this thing, uh, they may decide they're going to have to work longer hours in the future. And that means the reserves will increase a little bit. And plus, we have to assess the effect Congress has had because they've, they've now passed roughly $3 trillion in economic relief. That helps too. That helps shore up the economy, which will help shore up the, these reserves to some extent. To what extent, we don't know. But all of those factors combine to make this a very tricky picture to really figure out. So, David, what exactly is Congress thinking about doing, if anything, right now? You know, there's a lot of other issues they're planning or trying to tackle. There's additional COVID-19 legislation, there's the annual appropriations process, which is, you know, $1.4 trillion in spending. 
There's trying to address policing issues and systemic racism throughout the country. And then, of course, it's an election year as well. So there's a lot of other sort of more pressing timeline issues in the forefront for lawmakers right now. So is this something that's being discussed on the Hill? And if so, to what degree? Yeah, that's why, Jen, uh, we're not likely to see much happen on this. There's just too much going on. There's too much that's urgent that's going to consume all the time and energy. You know, there is a bill. John Larson, the Democrat from Connecticut, is on the Ways and Means Committee, has a bill that would shore up uh, the Social Security Trust Fund uh, by increasing taxes on it and trying to shore up benefits at the same time. It's complicated. But, but I mean, does anyone really think in an election year with all this, that bill is going to become law anytime soon? No, and there's going to be too much opposition to it. Um, there's also legislation in both the House and Senate that calls for creating these so-called rescue committees that would just be used to recommend a financial fix for these trust funds. But I don't think anyone expects those to get far either, because then if they invest in that and they come back with recommendations that say you got to increase taxes or you got to cut benefits, they're not really going to want to do it. Uh, And at the same time, analysts told me, you know, interest rates are so low right now that it's, it's even easier to borrow money. And so that's why the, the betting right now is that the most likely outcome here is that Congress is going to borrow more money to, to fix the revenue shortfall from these trust funds. You don't say. That, that seems to be the most likely thing. And as I said, you know, we still have a few years to wait. And so they don't have to do this right now. But this is a problem because at some point here, more quickly than I think we realized before the pandemic, these reserves are going to get depleted and benefits would have to be cut unless, unless something happens, which is probably unless they borrow more money. We should also just mention for our listeners that next week is a big appropriations week on Capitol Hill. Jen, do you want to walk us through where we are? Because after months of delay, this thing may finally get going. Right. So, well, get going in the House. There's still a lot of uncertainty about the Senate schedule, whether or not we will be able to get markups in that chamber. But the House is scheduled to sort of jump in the deep end in July. Um, And next week, the House Appropriations Committee is planning to mark up all dozen of its annual funding bills and subcommittee and then have about five go through full committee. And then we're going to see them come back in the next week at a pretty similar pace. So there's a chance that we have all dozen annual funding bills reported out of the House Appropriations Committee in the next two weeks, or the first full two weeks of July, I should say. Um, And then after that, it's going to be House floor action, most likely through a structured rule. I personally really love open rules when we get kind of that Wild West style of debate on the House floor on these spending levels and policy. But that's really unlikely um, given the political and policy dynamics right now and the fact it is an election year. So we're most likely in that situation where there'll be a structured rule on the House floor where any member can offer amendments to the Rules Committee, and then the Rules Committee will determine which amendments go through to floor debate, sort of filtering out any that could be particularly problematic um, for Democrats, particularly moderate Democrats, to take votes on this year. That pretty much wraps up July in the House. And then over in the Senate, talks are continuing between Chairman Richard Shelby and Ranking Member Patrick Leahy, but they really are continuing that standstill where Democrats want amendment debate in the committee on issues addressing COVID-19 
spending and social justice issues. And, you know, because those, those amendments would address how the government uses its discretionary funding, Democrats really feel like that's the appropriate venue to debate this. Republicans say that those would essentially be poison pill amendments and that they would sort of remove the bipartisanship from committee. Um, so that standstill remains. Yeah, things have really broken down in the Senate. The partisan tensions seem to be increasing. And so that, that, that's on hold. But the House, the Democratic majority, is going to try to just ram through all their spending bills this coming month. It's going to be hot and heavy. But of course, these are partisan bills, right? So these aren't going to get that far. Well, yes, but we should point out that that's whether or not Democrats are in control of the House or Republicans are in the majority in the House. This is the way the House Appropriations Committee tends to operate. When Republicans were in control, they wrote their dream bills, their kind of ideal spending levels and policy. They didn't get much Democratic support when Democrats took over in the House. They did something similar with their favored legislation issues on the appropriations process. And so that is something that is just very sort of traditional for the House chamber because of the way the floor operates. As long as you have enough votes to advance your legislation, the majority typically does sort of whatever they want with their bills over there. And so the Senate obviously is a different chamber with different floor rules and you, unless you have a supermajority of either Republicans or Democrats, you need at least 60 senators to agree to formally debate legislation, which is why the Senate Appropriations Committee tends to try to do bipartisan bills. And one of the reasons they're in such a stalemate right now is while Republicans in committee do technically have the majority and they could pass bills on party line votes, then they can't debate anything on the Senate floor. And so Chairman Shelby has said repeatedly he wants the bills to be bipartisan. So there's an option for floor debate, um, not a guarantee for floor debate, obviously, if you've seen the Senate floor schedule for the next few months. And so that's very much where we're at right now. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can always drop us an email. The address is cqpodcast, one word, at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. Thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter. You can always stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back next week. Yeah.